Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Attack and Release Show. My name is Matt, and I am joined today by my good friend from Nashville, Sam Moses. Howdy, howdy. Howdy ho. Howdy ho. On today's episode, we're going to be revisiting a topic. It's, a, it's like a few years later. Um, <laughs> it's like a dog. <laughs> oh, that was me. Dog. <laughs> Continue, Sam sorry. the dog. Continue. Yeah. So we're gonna. It, it's a little bit of a revisit, but it's it's not. You know, times change, times progress, and uh, I don't know. We'll kind of we'll kind of see where we land on this. So this is gonna be in regards to having a tone and mastering, and should a mastering engineer have a tone? It was episode one hundred and four, um, but at the same time, times change. And you have like uh, new converters that come out, things that specifically give a tone. You have things that kind of, I don't know, you'll have converters that will make things sound a little bit more hi-fi or pieces of gear that people will only go out of the box to impart a tone and then hop back in. Um, And we're going to kind of be diving into that a little bit. And so how does that sound, Sam? I think that sounds great. It sounds warm and exciting. Fuzzy and saturatable. Fuzzy and, and saturated. Uh, clippable. Yeah, the tone sounds great. Oh, great. Well, fu- hopefully not too fuzzy. Great tone. Perfect. Anyway, if you wouldn't mind hopping and bopping and taking us into housekeeping, that would be great. Hello, listener audience. Thank you Tell so much. Tell the people for, what they want. Uh, for, for tuning in to the Attack Release Show. Oh, You've man. R.I.P. Bob Barker. Oh, yeah, I think he's been gone for a while, Matt. No, it like literally just happened. Are you serious? It Bob Barker literally just died. Just happened? Go no Google way. this. Hang on, listener. It, he died at 99. There were like all like the people saying he like got as close to a dollar without going over. Oh my gosh, he died August last week. August 26, 2023, died last week. Wow. That's what, like, the whole thing with housekeeping. The people have been here forever. I told you to grab the skinny Bob Barker mic. Oh, my gosh. I already thought he was dead. Is this like the Mandela effect? Oh, my gosh. I feel terrible. Do you know about the Mandela effect? No. I don't know a lot of things. What? No, I don't. You don't? I don't know a lot of things. Okay. okay, we'll do like the very basic. Well, we won't do the basic Mandela effect because it'll be the Nelson Mandela thing. It essentially came about because people thought that Nelson Mandela had died, mm-hmm. like, and he was alive for many, many years. <clears throat> but all these people had this recollection that Nelson Mandela had died. Oh. They remember reading articles, seeing, uh, like, See, this is how I feel about passed. Bob Barker. <laughs> Exactly. And so this is along the same track. Well, then it came into like the big one was like, you remember growing up the 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 book it was like like the Bernstein Bears? Yes. Oh yeah. How do you spell their last name? For just from memory. Bear, bears was Bears their last name? No, uh wait, no, Bernstein first name, Bears. Sorry. How do I spell Bernstein? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I don't know. B E R N Steen S T I-E-N, Bernstein, Bernstein. <laughs> I may have been setting you up for failure here. <laughs> I don't know anyway, how to spell either. Did you, ever re- did you ever read these books? Yes, I have. I own these books. Okay. I just text you something. Do you remember it being spelled like the way it is up top? 
It'll tell us which side of the universe you're actually from. The Berenstain Baywood? <laughs> no, I don't remember it being spelled that way. See, everybody remembers it. S-T, like E-I-N or I-E-N, yeah. however you would have Bernstein. But yeah, it's actually Bernstein Bears. Bernstein and there's like bears. all these little like parallels. Like everyone remembers something a certain way. Bernstein. Yeah. And then you'd like look back and be like, what the? It wasn't Bernstein Bears. What are you talking about? Bernstein. Uh, burn. Burn. Bernstein. Berenstain. Berenstain yeah. Bears. And no one remembers it like that. No, I definitely don't remember that. Um, the- and so there are these little tears in the matrix. Absolutely. Happen all the time. So. That's what you just uh, you just experienced uh, some part of the Mandela effect. Well, Bob Barker's still alive. I thought he's been dead for probably. I would if you would have asked me when Bob Barker died, I'd say four years ago. That's what I'd say. <laughs> yeah, four years ago he passed away. I read it online last maybe, week, and maybe I did read it online and it was spam, you know, fake, or maybe a I'm tabloid just, in the supermarket. I'm just making things up. Anyway. <laughs> Anywho, listener audience, thank you so much for tuning in to uh, the more you know. (laughs) I'm sorry for taking it down a notch. Housekeeping. Uh, R.I.P. Bob Barker. Thank you for what you did on The Price is Right. Love that show. Drew Carey, carrying the torch. Keep it going. Um, Listener, housekeeping. You've won the unique opportunity to screenshot this episode or past episode. Post it on Instagram. Please tag me, Moses Mastering. Tag Matt for the record mastering. We'll reshare your post. We cross market. More importantly, we get to know you one-on-one. That's been so fun. Thank you for hollering. Thank you for following. Also, if you don't mind, like, share, subscribe, give us some stars. That helps a ton to get the podcast out so we all make Uh, better records together and finish more records together. Okay. Housekeeping out. There you go. Okay. So I'm going to cue you up. Ah, you ready? Sure. (laughs) Okay. Do And it's like, we got to, we got to stay tight to schedule. Okay. I'm going to focus, you know, after my long, you know, Mandela nonsense here, (laughs) do you chase in mastering, tone or transparency? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Do I chase? No, I don't chase. That's a good question. Uh, do you try to stay close to a mix? No. Or do you kind of take your... <laughs> <laughs> Not a, This is where maybe I need to re-listen to that previous episode and see what I rambled about. It doesn't um, matter. It's best to say what you're doing now. Right. I know. I'm just curious I to what I what said. You said. I remember this episode. I probably said something about color and saturation and things like that and liking the Hilo, which I still do. Um, you don't change color. a lot. No, I don't. Um, but over the years, I don't chase any sound, but I do kind of get. I'm respectful to mixes. What people send me, I try to respect and I try to enhance what. I feel like they have highlighted, okay? I've said that before. Within that, as I get uh, along in years in this career, I get a little more confident in my abilities, and I wouldn't say I chase tone or anything, but I am kind of continually interested in ways to shape the song and enhance the things I feel like the mix is doing in more creative ways, such as tone, saturation, upward, 
you know, expansion, compression, um, automation. So I am, I'll say, chasing, um, chasing a sound that enhances what's already there and highlighted, but also make it more interesting. I'm into making things a bit more interesting these days. And um, I don't even know if my clients know or care, <laughs> but that's kind of been something I've been doing the last couple of years, especially the last year, um, is I'll say I am chasing or more fired up to figure out how to make songs feel continually feel interesting at the high levels of compression that are still in demand. So um, so I'm chasing something, but when I start a song, I'm not like mm, tone or something like that, transparency. I'm chasing um, how can I make this feel even more, uh, more like the mix, but also more interesting and engaging with the listener. How about that? How about that bullcrap? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! I think that's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. I'll pause there because I'm going to hand it back to you because I'm curious about you and your uh, your approach to tone and or transparency. Are you chasing anything, Matt? As far as like chasing things, I would say that I stay pretty darn close to the mix um, as far as sonic integrity is concerned. Unless something... And I don't mean to sound arrogant by saying this because I, I this is like a, a topic that really comes about because of this conversation is like, is it arrogant to change? It's like the philosophy minor in me. Is it arrogant to change like the initial mix that was essentially presented to you? Um, I think that's a question worth asking. Um, I generally don't care for deviating too far from a mix because, as I've said in past episodes, I believe it. the mix is the intent of the artist, and so I don't want to change it too much. But I've also said in past episodes <clears throat> that I genuinely will, like, see... I'll, I'll see this puzzle in my head of, like, how everything is to go together and then... When I receive the mix, it is how together is that puzzle and is the puzzle even supposed to represent a full picture or is it just kind of supposed to be its own uh, special funky entity, which is also totally cool. Um, so as far as like what am I chasing, I would say I'm trying to enhance the transparency. I'm trying to enhance... Like the actual instrumentation, like what is there? I mean, it, this is even given that it is necessary in the current mix because no two mixes are the same. Right. And so I'm trying to, if individual instruments are to be highlighted with, you know, less than painting a broad brush, then okay, yeah, sure. Let's go ahead and enhance. Uh, that specific instrumentation. And as, as opposed to like depth is concerned, I mean, it's one of the things that I absolutely love about tubes. And it's like I recently got like a tube amp for like a little hi-fi setup at home. And I'm just like kind of going through like different reviews on tubes and switching stuff out and like burning in tubes and learning just different things. And I always like having different little things that I'm learning. And 
I don't like I'm always kind of chasing this like bizarre like I don't I never want this like hi-fi setup that's like oh it's like the band's right there it's like I never want that at home but it's like I want something that's just like a very nice gorgeous euphoric listening experience I don't want something that sounds like you walk into a hi-fi store and it's like beyond what the band actually recorded and it's like this is the intent of the artist it's like I don't think the artist intended this um as opposed to like with mastering, I want to use, say, tubes. I can, I mean, it's one of the reasons I got rid of some pieces of gear. And one reason, reasons I got, I, I bought into other pieces is it's like some tubes will give you sense, like a sense of depth. They'll give you a sense of warmth. They'll give you a sense of space. Mm-hmm. Other solid state pieces of gear, for whatever reason, unbeknownst to me, will just present this absolutely gorgeous 3D image that I literally will do. I will have this piece engaged every single time in a very specific capacity because I just love the way that that a signal source sounds running through it. Um, I love Chasing the Dragon, but <laughs> every time I have a print, I am referencing it against the mix. And if I deviated too far, I won't necessarily delete it. I'll, I might move it to the side and I might kind of experiment a little bit and be like, is this the direction that we want to go if we drifted a little too far? I don't really drift far um, from the initial intent unless the artist in the checklist says, hey, I want more top end, or hey, I would like what we have here, but I'd like it to hit a little harder. Or And it's like if it's something electronic and they're like, hey, I want some analog pumping, and I was like, well, this very mu has a limit <laughs> switch on it. And I can separate those or I can put them together and I can give you very much analog limiting. Like if you, you get something that's lo-fi and uh, it's like, yeah, I can very much deliver on that. And it's going to be gooey and grabby and you know, that's going to kind of get weird with the words. Gooey <laughs> and grabby. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. Well, it's a rewind. Um, it's going to be great. <laughs> any, any way you put it, it's going to be great. Um, unless the client tells me to go in that kind of direction, I generally will stay close to the mix unless something's like overly harsh, in which case I have no problem toning down some top end and kind of popping it in its place. Yeah. Um, I would say I would say it's really me. So kind of re- getting back to the root of the question, um, I would say I stay pretty close to the mix, but I really try to deliver a sense of depth um, when I say width, I don't mean like widening, but more just like space. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the reasons I master in '96. I just love the added, you know, little stuff it gives me—the sparkle. The I love. I love how everything now has more information to work with. I love printing more information into these at once empty spaces, and I love having that extra sparkle that you know you get by doing that. And, uh, yeah, my 2015 iMac goes to Mars every darn day. So whatever Elon Musk says about it taking six, six months to get to Mars, no, 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 mine does it, mine does it daily. You just, uh, just got to run a, a 2015 iMac in a 96K and you're... Uh, oversample. You're, yeah, oversample. Oh, man. That, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah, no, it, it does not like that. You said you recently got something in 96. How did that go for you? Oh, it went fine. It just did took, you go to the moon? 
Yeah, my computer was a high fan. Uh, the CPU never crapped out, but it just takes longer to export. So I have a no thing fun. on my whatever, like the top little bar on the Mac to like just turn on my fan. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, okay, I'll just run it at full speed. It's like, I know you're not going to turn it off, but I'm just going to help you out here. Let's clear, let's clear the dust out right. today before we got to burn it out. Mm. It's like when you turn your heater on for the first time all yes. year, and you got that like that cr- that nasty that smell that burn. sets off your smoke alarms. Uh-huh. Yeah, about the time where I got to do your that. Ductwork clean once a year. Yeah, um, or it's like we have like a fireplace that you know yeah. it's like not a vented fireplace. Yeah. Like a gas fireplace and dust settles in there all year, and I'm like, I'll normally do it when the wife and kids are out because it sets off all the smoke alarms. That's what it's like running your <laughs> computer at uh, 96. I um, um, I guess go ahead. real quick, I want to say too. You know, I answered initially that I feel like I divert from the mix. What's interesting is I feel like my clients don't think I do, um, but when I a be in my room, I feel like I often have. It's like a night and day to me. Sure. Where I'm like, how can you not, you know, I don't think I'd still be in business if I was doing as much as it sounds like I am. Um, yeah. And I think my clients do, I mean, they keep coming back and they like my work um, because I think I do enhance the mix as well and highlight what they've highlighted. But I, it, to my ears, when I do that, like you're talking about a bean. I'm usually like, a, I mean, at this stage, I am like a one pass person. And then mm-hmm. that first pass to me is, I mean, when I A-B it, I'm like, whoa, this is pretty different. <laughs> but I feel yeah. like, also in my gut, I'm like, yeah, but that's what the song was doing. And now it's just doing it more, um, mm-hmm. assuming the song needs that. But most people want more out of their song at mastering. I've I've yet to, I'll say, find a client who's like, can you make this feel a bit smaller and duller? <laughs> do um, less. Yeah, please. do less, please. I want to not hear the value <laughs> so um but yeah i it to my ears i feel like i divert quite a bit but often i feel like my clients never like once in a blue moon it's funny we're doing this episode i'll be transparent i had a client who absolutely hated what i did this week um to a single and i sent it to matt the feedback <laughs> which was so brutal <laughs> And uh, I mean, it happens. And, uh, yeah, it's like one. I get like one a year, and uh, you know, I have no problem just going back from scratch, starting over. So we resolved it, no big deal. But once a year, I usually get absolutely roasted, and uh, it happened in September this year. So, <laughs> but it was it was a good one. It's nice humble pie, and I started over, and now we're all good. So. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say that. I mean, not, nothing about that's bad. And it's like, you know, it's like sometimes you just have like different takes on something. Right. I don't think that's bad at all. It's just, it's like, yeah. like how many opinions are you dealing with like on like an annual basis? And it's like, you know, so just many. by the law of numbers. Right. It's like you're going to get somebody who just didn't like what you did. And yeah. I mean, like the nice thing though is that like generally whenever you do get that kind of feedback, it comes with a list, and it's like, okay, cool. Right. I can take this personally, or I can take it as a list of things right. I need to do to make this client really like their master. Absolutely, yeah. It's the answer key. So it was easy, a, easy, obviously, to start over. You taught over. me that. Yeah. I mean, that's how I work. If anybody ever has feedback, it's just so easy to implement it first and see if that solves it. Because nine, 
99% of the time, what people are asking is not a make or break to the song. It's what they want. It's their art. I want to honor that. I do. And I try to honor that when I'm doing what I'm doing always. Um, but I do feel like I, when I compare AB, I'm like, yeah, I like moved things around and stuff's quite bigger and, you know, tighter or fatter. But clients seem to dig that. So anyway, let's, uh, I'll digress on that. Next thought, next question you have. Are so you are you up? generally seeking tone um, in the box or out of the box? If it is a tone thing. Yeah. Uh, if both. tone should exist. Both. Um, I mean, tone to me, I'm pretty simple at this stage. I mean, I haven't changed a lot. So quick, fast, aggressive is Pultex, Better Maker, both solid states. Um, big, fat, bloomy, you know, is going to be massive, passive, overstayer, tube tech, you know, tube land, overstayer, solid state, but it's a console tape emulator, basically. And the more you push it uh, into the red, essentially, the more it responds like a console, it gets louder, rounds off transients, and blooms, kind of like tubes. Um, where, like, my solid state Poltex, I feel like I can't clip them. Like, they just, I've sent so much level really? to them, and they just stay so clean to me. It's crazy. Um, so they just handle like crazy level. I'm sure there's a reason from someone who's smart and knows things, but I don't know why. Have you tried to overload them? Yeah, I've sent them like crazy signal. And they'll eventually get like a little crunchy, but you know, when I compare it to like the level I'm sending, if I then look at the better maker, the better maker is like clip to zero, reducing 15 dB, you know, like, <laughs> just like an ungodly amount of level coming into them, but the Poltex just handle it like a champ, like no no issues hmm. um, for the solid state ones. So, um, you know, I don't know what that means, but they stay extremely clean and kind of, they kind of just always feel in your face and edgy from zero to, to 100. Like, they kind of have a similar tone always, and then it just kind of like enhances that with as you boost or attenuate. Um, but yeah, those are the things I look for for out of the box overall. In the box, at this stage to me, like in the box, I can create more tone. Like, because there's so many plugins and saturators now. Like, that's to me been such a popular thing the last couple of years is like saturation and tone and the chasing of analog. Um, so, you know, in the box, I have a lot more options at disposal, and I still feel that the Tokyo Dawn Gentleman's Edition limiter and clipper, like, that thing has a he big... like being called a gentleman. Yeah, gentleman. Um, <laughs> I'm so fancy. Um, I just find that thing to have such a big, round sound, and I love it for songs that feel a bit uh, flat or th- leaning a bit thin, you know, the tone out of that thing to me is very um, clear that it's like rounding and fattening the low end somehow while retaining loudness. But yeah, in the box, I mean, I love all sorts of saturators and harmonic things, you know, dopamine uh, we've talked about before from Overloud, you know, Oxford Limiter Inflator, um, uh, what else do I like here? Let me pull this up. Um, the S- SSL X Saturator, 
to me sounds more like an SS console than an SSL console, which is so weird. Um, I don't think... I feel like when I use the Gcomp bus on any of the plugins from Waves or um, from SSL or from... I've done the Universal Audio one. Um, they don't sound quite like an SSL console, which I know it's not a console, it's a compressor, but I feel like so many people have associated the sound of an SSL with the Gcomp compressor and to me, the real sound of it is in the saturation harmonics, which this, the SSL X saturator is that. It's like the second and third uh, order harmonics. It has a width, and, uh, a depth and a width knob on it, which to me, the depth just increases the low end sound of an SSL console when you push it, where it gets like kind of fat, but kind of cleaned up, which is kind of how the compressor sounds to me as you, if you do output gain, the more you crank that output gain on the SSL compressor, it feels like the bottom end thins out a bit and cleans it up, which is a fun little tool for tone. Do you anyway, think the reason yes, that the comp doesn't really sound like to you, doesn't really sound like the console, is because generally like you're having so much more SSL tone through each of the individual channels Probably, than yeah. essentially Buster summed through? Yes, I'm sure that's a big part of it, and all the unique crosstalk that happens on console um, yeah. from channel to channel, and then some to, to groups, then it hits the, the comp. But the X saturator to me, when I first got that plug-in a few years ago, I don't even know how long it's been out, but I got it in some email blast from them, and I was like, sure. And I got it, and then I was like, oh my gosh, this is the sound of an SSL console. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> so I'll use that instead of the G-Comp, because I used to use G-Comp a lot, or the I have the, the Stam uh, SA4000 or whatever they did, their clone of it, mm -hmm. which to me sounds very accurate um, to the G-Comp. But the actual sound of an SSL um, to me is in that X-Saturator plugin. And when you push that plugin... That's what the console sounds like, in my opinion. Um, mm. And I'm I'm familiar with SSL consoles because that's kind of what I that was the first one I learned on was G series um, for learning Neves, and then I learned APIs. But um, but yeah, that to me is one of my go to anything rock live instrumentation SSLX saturator dial in that all in, and it has the wet it has a blend knob so you can dial in all your settings and dial it all back and then. Yeah, you know, get it to taste. I do a ton of that. So I'll do extreme tone, saturation, fatness, then dial that thing all the way to 0% and then just crank it up to where it kind of like fills in the gaps um, without being super noticeable. So yeah, in the box, I go for tone all the time. Um, I also find the Waves, um, the Waves Poltex to be extremely tony, and um, I didn't really study those manuals as much as I thought I had because I finally went back to those manuals. This was just recently, and I think I texted you like this year of being like, I didn't realize these SSL wave, you know, or the sorry, the waves pull text that have been out forever. When they're just on, they have like a filter and a boost to them going, so they're mm -hmm. not flat. So just running signal from them. And then depending on if you have what you have the attenuation set on, like the 510 or 
15 is it? I'd have to look at it. Forgive me, people. Um, it changes the tone as well without even boosting or cutting anything. It changes the filter on it. So I will use those now, especially the mid-range one too, which like nobody ever uses, it feels like. The mid-range Poltec has a similar thing where it'll boost mids or like roll off top end depending on where you have it. But I'll use that for tone all the time, just like general filtering and shaping. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that sounds fantastic. So that's kind of been a go-to thing um, for this year. It's been fun. But yeah, you know, Ozone, Exciter, it's great. Big, big fan of the 11, uh, Excitement, all the stuff there. And uh, yeah, that'll be, that's kind of how I approach tone. It's kind of interesting though that like in the box has so many options now. And um in the box too now, like a lot of the saturation plugins to me are way dirtier than out of the box. <laughs> like when I use out of the box, like using analog analog to me is not necessarily dirty, you know, or like yeah. crunchy. And I feel like that is what a lot of these plugins that are like, oh, analog tone, and it's like this is just crunching and like blooming <laughs> harmonics. To essentially distortion and I'm like my gear doesn't really sound like that even push super hard like it'll get a little fatter or rounder or it just kind of gets like duddy if it just gets pushed too hard um, but even like the tube stuff I have doesn't get like anywhere near any of the plugins that are like tube modelers I'm like well this sounds just like a guitar amp <laughs> but you know <laughs> It's not what my gear sounds like. So anyway, I think that's just kind of interesting. What what uh what do you think, Matt? You go out of the box? I know you go out of the box. In the box? Well, one of the things I was gonna ask is like, okay, so yeah, you achieve the tone, but it's like like I'm also like one of the things that I really feel like up until recently in the box is kind of missed out on is like like the like the actual depth that you can kind of, let's say, like step into yes. like the actual song. Yes. Are you able to find that in the box as well? The or only like analog, I believe, kind of helps with that. I think analog does the best on imaging. I will yeah. die on that hill. Now, does it matter? I don't know, but I am happy to still say <laughs> yes. I would a hundred percent die on the hill that hitting any piece of my gear, pretty much just running it through it the front to back, left to right image gets bigger, better, and there's more space. Um, Within the box, the only thing I'll say that I really feel like does a good job of that without, I'm sure there's imaging happening, but that SSL X Saturator plugin has a depth and a width knob on it. Mm -hmm. And it is doing something sonically like a tone thing more than an image thing. The tone that it's shaping is changing the image to me more than like a widening effect. Yeah. And it's the only plug into my ears that sounds like it's creating energy within the depth and stuff like analog does. But yeah, I would happily die on the hill of analog creates a better a different, well, and I'll call it better imaging still um and yeah plugins i'm not a imager person um i don't like using imagers um i don't do really any mid-side stuff unless 
the client kind of is requesting it on feedback. Because um, I've also always believed, and I think I'm correct in that, anything I do is changing the mid-side. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm doing mid-side already. I'm just not using a plugin that's targeting the mid-side um, specifically. But yeah, I, uh, I think analog does imaging depth with the best still. And, um, you know, but sometimes, I don't know, it's not always like a super concern to me. It just depends on what the song sounds like. It feels really cluttered and dense and I'm like, man, it'd be nice to have a little bit of space here and then I can EQ and like enhance some of what they were doing, but it just feels like too compact. It's hitting analog for sure. And then it just kind of opens it up. So, yeah, that's my thought. I'd say as far as like... As far well, first of all, the thing about the the waves, the X saturator, you talked me into getting that, and I've used it a handful of times, and I one hundred percent understand what you are saying with that. <laughs> um, I was really not a big waves person. Like, I of course, you know, went through my stage where I had a bunch of like cracked software, and like anytime you do that, you have like. I don't know. Waves is always the one that came up, and you'd have like a bajillion of these. And then when I started making money from doing this, I'm like, I gotta buy these. And so I started buying stuff as I like went along. And I mean, I'm not necessarily like ashamed of doing this. Like, yeah, it, I mean, technically it's not kosher or whatnot, but I mean, as soon as I started making money on it, I started paying for tools that I use, and everything that I have is 100% paid for. Um, and you kind of got me back on the waves train, and even when I wasn't necessarily paying for it, I uh, I wasn't really using a lot of the wave stuff. Um, let's see, as far as imaging on the waves, you got me out of the Poltex. I got that MIDI cue and all that, and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah, sent yeah. me like your settings on how you do it. That's fun, <laughs> mainly. I think my favorite still, and it's something I don't know another soul who uses it. And I don't know the last time I used it, but when it's right, it's right. There's this like Abbey Road vinyl Mm, plugin. Yeah. And it does this thing like if you just need, and this is before that whole Ozone 11 clarity, if you just needed to kind of cut through the, the, the scuff in the mix, if it's a little too thick, if you use that, and then you use, I guess you kind of, you don't really have to know about it, but it's like, I like vinyl a lot. And so, um, like, if you have moving magnet, moving coil, then they had like a little DJ cartridge for like replay. If you go to the moving coil, I don't know why moving coil cartridges, to me at least, sound better than moving magnet. Um, I know what, like, how they're constructed, but I don't know why, in fact, they're better, um, or at least more like high fidelity. And so I went on to there, I would choose a moving coil and I would kind of play with their little console a bit. And it's like the immediate like Steely Dan effect. <laughs> I don't know why, it just is like super nice. Um, that, and like you get some nice tone and width and whatnot. And of course you go on there and you play with the delay because you're a child and you got to do that and play with the delay on a master. Why not? And then you take it off and you resume your day and you, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you put on your big boy pants and you get back to work. Ooh. Anyway, back to tone on things. Um, I mean, I love I love ozone. Whether like 
I generally, when I upgrade, I'll do like odd upgrades. So like 9 and then 11. And so generally, I will skip 12. And then I will go to like 13. I, I did not get 10. And then before 9, I did not get 8. I had 7. Um, it's just more financially easy for me. Um, but it's like on their vintage stuff, I absolutely love the vintage limiter. I mean, if you need that like midfield bloom from like tone-wise, it's like the vintage limiter on tube. If you just need a glue, like going like the analog setting on it. I don't know what they modeled, but it sounds really good. Um, what else have I been using? I'm kind of going down my little plug-in list that I really, really, really like. ba 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 Sooth? No, I actually don't use Sooth that much anymore. Plug-in Alliance. What's the new one on Plug-in Alliance I'm playing with? That Amex mastering compressor that mimics that GML 2030. Mm-hmm. It's not Tony, but it's like if you need something to kind of do like a mastering compressor kind of thing, you can remove some of that information that you want to remove, but yet you're kind of getting some great tone from... An, a pretty transparent and it's like sometimes the best tone is just like put everything back the way it was without making it all goobery <laughs> because it's like sometimes it's like you'll have okay yeah just like makeup gain and it's like yeah but then it's like you listen to it and you're like ew I gotta find another thing to help me out here cause that is not it um I really like that I really like that NIF uh, Audio Soma to the degree it's actually made me consider buying one. I'm like, I was looking at the website the other day. I was like, it's only $7,500, man. Why don't we just buy one? And I'm like, uh, no, it's okay. Um, let's see. I mean, I still love that Pulsar Massive. I do not know how to make that U work from that from those guys. Um, soft tube. I mean, even like today, I was using the the Weiss stuff. And I don't know. It's like maybe this is me just staying close to the mix. And it's not like a safety thing. It's, I think, just I want, I, I like the, if I like the integrity of the mix, I'm not really going to deviate far. And I like working with people who give me good mixes. And so I don't need to go far. Um, something that's a bit of a sleeper that I think, I can't remember who told me about it, um, is the tape from Soft Tube. I love tape machines, as people know. You know, the UAD, the Ampex ATR-102. The tape machine from SoftTube has, like, a fun feature where, like, you can drive it and all that good stuff. But then, I don't know, and it doesn't work for everything. But it's like, if you have something, and you can tell if something was, like, tracked as a live band, and it might not be as gluey as you need it to be, but you Mm kind of need to, like, lean into how it was tracked. It has this interesting crossfeed kind of a knob on it. And you, I don't dial in a lot, maybe 5 or 10%, but it honestly kind of adds a little bit of glue because it's like, I don't know, like say I had something that was tracked on a console earlier and the panning was kind of weird and whatnot. And you can kind of tell how some of the musicians were jiving and whatnot and playing off one another. But like it, like you can tell but it didn't really translate into the mix. And so I had a little bit of crossfeed and just adding a little bit of that back in. It was it was wild. It was kind of like, you know how reverb glues stuff together mm-hmm. a little bit? It was like that effect. It was so darn bizarre. 
Um, I mean, yeah, you got me on that gentleman's edition, the Tokyo Dawn, yada, yada. I actually have a, a slight rant. Um, <laughs> Go. I don't, I don't want to get an email, but like, if anyone wants to have a talk, I'll talk. I don't know why, but <clears throat> all of my UAD plugins that are on my satellite, for whatever reason, do not sound like the UAD plugins that, like, I, you know, like anything that's available on Spark where you can natively host it. Mm-hmm. It sounds different than on the stuff that's hosted on the satellite. Oh, my. I don't know why, like, even, like, down to, like, stuff on, like, the satellite is super buggy and the stuff on Spark isn't. Specifically, like, the Fairchild 670. Mm. On the satellite, it'll just, like, select, like, for whatever reason, I'll bypass and then unbypass the compressor and it'll slam the output gain to however far it'll go. I was like, holy crap. And I was like, man, I got, like, key threes. Like, I don't want y'all blowing these speakers over your buggy plug-in. And it's like I did the Spark for whatever reason. I think because I was setting up another laptop. And I was like, yeah, I'll put these on here. And the 670 sounds different on the UADX than the UAD like regular. Mm-hmm. And I can't put my finger on it. Um, so I've actually stopped using like my satellite stuff hmm. with the exception of my ATR-102, which I mean, I just... Frick, man. It just sounds so darn good. Um, I love the... I mean, the 670 is like, you know, everyone knows. It's like a, like a tone beast. Something that came out that got, I feel like, more hate than it deserves. And I need to keep an eye on time because, yeah. Yeah, we got like anyway, 10 minutes. Yeah. I feel like this got more hate than it deserves. And y'all need to go back and give it a second chance. And I don't care who you are, what you think. So... The Capitol Hills Mastering, or the, not Capitals, the, the Shadow Hills Mastering, <laughs> the Capitol Mastering Compressor, the one that came out that everyone's like, oh, it's just like the, what is it? The, ba ba ba, what am I thinking? Magic Death Eye. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it looks, it looks alike. And I'm not too sure of the history. And some people were telling me that I don't know if Ian of Magic Death Eye made the, Capitol Hill or Capitol Hills, the Capitol Mastering Compressor. I don't know if he did or if he just worked on them and did whatever. But first of all, that compressor sounds fantastic. I own, I don't know why. I, for some reason, bought the mono version, which also does the stereo stuff of the Magic Death Eye. And I bought the Magic Death Eye stereo, which both of those to me sound different, at least. And I haven't updated them since they came out. So they may have updated and they sound. I don't know, more similar. The Capital Mastering Compressor, to me, sounds different, but the secret, I feel like, to this compressor is it has a saturate stage. I don't know where in the chain it falls. My assumption is somewhere along the output um, because it doesn't really... Mm, does it drive stuff if it's a feed-forward feedback? I haven't noticed because um, I don't use the compressor all that much. But if you just need, like, if a vocal's kind of, like, hanging back and you kind of need, like, that, like, bold country thing and you can use a little bit of grit, that saturator, holy cow, is just a harmonic beast. And so, like, I'll turn that maybe to, like, 25% and then I'll take the blend 
and I'll dial that back down, and I'll kind of team that up with that ATR-102, and stuff gets a little loud after that compressor, so you kind of really need to watch your gain staging. Well, that'd be a good episode, too, on <laughs> another gain staging episode. Um, that is just like a tone beast, and it's just like all this, like, all this mid madness, and it gets into the hot, the top end. So you really have to do, have to be careful. That one to me is a good sleeper. Um, and you touched on analog, right? Yes. I'll touch on analog a bit. Um, I mean, my chain is pretty simple. I can use as much or as little as I want. I mean, sometimes. I might turn a master down or a mix down so I can just, say, go through the two manly pieces that I have just to give it a little bit of texture, a touch of saturation as much as you're really going to get, um, but like that manly tone. Yes. And, uh, and then go to print and then get all my level in the box. I mean, I'm not foreign to doing that or just using one or two pieces in the box, but there's other stuff that it's like, I might so like the way that my stuff's all like run, and I guess we have a gear episode coming, so this might be redundant in the future. Is like I have a mass, I have a manly backbone. Uh, it goes on channel one, very mu, then massive passive. Two is empty. No, no, no. Two is my Masalik MEA two. Three is empty. The MEA two also has an MS enable on it, which the matrix on it's fantastic. Uh, channel four is my API twenty five hundred. You want to talk about a tone, ladies and gentlemen? If you need to, if like you have something that's dark and the client's like, I just want it brought like up and I want like a little glossy. Holy cow! And you can afford you can afford the tone. You can't always afford the tone of the twenty five hundred. Not like financially, but like as far as <laughs> as far, as far as like what it's actually dishing out because it is a top end beast. Um. That's great. The channel five, I have the foot control systems P3SME. I mean, I mainly use it for like the gain stage and the output transformer. It's not foreign to be a compressor. Um, the output transformer is a fantastic little like top end, like boop. That is so delicious. The And then that goes into the Rupert Neves uh, Portico 2, the master bus processor. Once a year, I use it as a compressor, and that was about two weeks ago, and I don't expect it to use it until next August. So it's really just a glorious tone box that I just love uh, gain staging through. And then, like I've said in every episode since I've owned it, the uh, Stereo Field Editor really should just be its own box. Cost $3,500. It's still <laughs> worth it at $3,500. Um, and then it's like I have some like top-end... You know, a little uh, DSers, some, uh, what's it called, acceleration limiters. And, I mean, they just tone the top end in such a nice analogy way. Like, people will say, like, my tone, which I don't intend to have a tone, but people will say, it's like, oh, it's like kind of, it's like, it's kind of like crispy and smooth. And, um, and typically, if something's crispy, it's because of that's how it was in the mix. And we're just kind of toning things to allow that to be able to shine and to come out. Um, but I absolutely love this rig. I am really thinking about buying a Burl um, A2 or a, a, yeah, analog to digital 
just to run stuff at low level and then to come in the box. I have a lot of country stuff that I think could benefit from that tone. And I wouldn't get rid of the Crane Song head. However, I have had a bit of trouble with it this year. We can get into that in a gear episode. Uh, I still highly recommend it, but the uh, I am kind of watching too many videos about the <laughs> the ADC. I'm a super late adopter too, so um, that's why I'm not really big on hopping on trends. I don't, I think I just don't understand them. I don't know. Maybe like an older me in a past life died by hopping on a trend too early, and that's why I'm a late adopter to things. <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway. Um, so, like, all in all, rounding out, Sam, should like um, should a mastering engineer have a tone? I'm going to say, yeah, you should. Should you strive to have one? Yeah. It's probably different than how I answered. I think you should. Like, go I think out of your way to, ha- like, to have a tone, like an ego thing? Like, oh, yeah, I'm known for this. Uh, maybe. It helps... I mean, as long as it doesn't turn into an ego thing or like a hill you die on, but I found for me, whether you like it or not, you have a tone, I think. Yeah. A. So I know that because we've I've done shootouts with master engineers and every version sounds different and good for the most part. Um, so everybody definitely has somewhere they lean or how they interpret the song. Um, but I've found now kind of a you know acknowledging yes I do think I have a sound yes I do think I have a tone yes I do kind of push things a certain way I think it brings clarity to how I can market to people um, and also when people kind of ask you know what's your sound or you know what's your process I can kind of tell them this is kind of what I do <laughs> and this is normally why people hire me and if that sounds like something you want then I'm a good fitter and if not then you know I could recommend somebody else mm-hmm. um and I also think that my, I know without a doubt that whatever tone I've created or quote unquote chase intentionally, unintentionally, just the way I hear music, um, has created my career. I know that. Like I know people have chose me over, you know, someone quote unquote bigger at the time because of the way I made their mix sound. And that has to do with the tone. I know it has to do with the tone because I've, been in those shootouts and still are when I do label stuff sometimes against the guys who are great, who have been around for 30, you know, 30 plus years and are on paper way more successful than me in theory. But, you know, I I win most of those. Whether or not, you know, it's better, I don't know. But I feel like I do have a tone. I feel like I do have a good understanding of what people want. And I Mm -hmm. try to push it that way and there's definitely records that sometimes people ask me to do and I say you know no I don't it's not for me like just not gonna me strapping on and a limiter taking one dB off is not like something I'm interested in in theory or like you know if it just feels like they want something I don't know there's just certain projects where I feel like at this time in my gut I'm just like no that's not for me like I this won't be a great fit um, and sometimes they still insist on me doing it, but um, mm-hmm. and it usually turns out fine. But anyway, <clears throat> do I think you should have a tone? I'm gonna say yeah, but you should be intentional with what it is, or you can, if you've been doing this for a few years, go back and listen to your records. Like I revisit projects all the time, not all the time. That's a lie. I project, <laughs> I revisit projects a few times a year, 
where I'll go back and review, okay, where did we start at the beginning of the year? What were the mixes sounding like? What were the masters sounding like? You know, did I even fluctuate through the year? And there's definitely, you know, trends I see or things I was doing or trying that I think were great. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, my tone has quote unquote evolved. And I think that also goes with my mixers have evolved too. There's a lot of mixers I work with that their tone has changed, you know, be it they've gotten better or they were out of the box, now they're in the box, they're in the box, now they're out of the box. They like this thing now, they like this, you know, these samples now, they like these saturators now, they don't like these saturators now. So, yes, I think you should have a tone. I don't think you should let your ego, though, ever be in the way of it. Like if someone asked me to do something, like if I do a song, I send it to him, just like the client that, you know, I'll say roasted me in the feedback. You know, I go back and I go, okay, that's fine. No big deal. I will do that. Like it's not a, it's a non-issue. Um, mm-hmm. We're service providers. And, uh, you know, sometimes people want to, I don't know why, I'm just going to say a custom burger instead of the normal burger. So it's a terrible metaphor. Um, I'm going to order a little off the menu here. But yeah, they wanted no pickles and a different sauce and a pretzel bun instead of the, the regular one. So, you know, it's fine. You just make a special order. And then everybody's, everybody's stoked and happy. And their bellies are full of yummy burgers. So um, that's my answer. Have a tone, but be uh, hold it open, open-handed and be willing to change it to best serve the customer if you absolutely need to. But lead with your tone because I think that'll become your brand, that'll become your sound, and that's long-term needed, in my opinion, to, to really carve your lane and become a name in the industry. Um, you know, you also could be making a tone that nobody wants in theory. I don't know if I believe that's true, but <laughs> it is possible, I guess, that yeah. your tone that you really like, nobody else likes, but I feel like there's just so many varieties and people like all sorts of things. It always blows my mind where I'll find people that like this sort of sound and I'm like, huh, that's amazing they like that, but I can't stand that. Like, I just yeah. don't, I don't get it, you know? My brain like reacts in a disgust way where they're like, this is the best thing ever. I'm like, great. I'm so glad. Makes life interesting and and fun. And there's always something I can learn too from, you know, those people. So anyway, I'm gonna stop rambling. Matt, I would cool. just, I want to toss it though to you. Yeah, we got rap. Got a rap rap. All right. Should a mastering engineer have a tone? Uh I'll go for the sake of arguing and say no. However, I think However you view somebody's mix and where it should go. So, like, I don't know. I see, like, I've heard people of, like, they see, like, mastering as, like, painting. Other people say, like me, that it's like a puzzle. And um, I don't know what Sam says. But, and we don't have time to find out. That's another episode. Um, I think you should have, like, a general idea of where you should go and where that mix should go if the mix is not already there. Sometimes the mix is already there, and it's your job to stay the heck out of the way. Um, However, I think through your gear choices, through your equipment choices and everything, I think you're going to impart some type of a tone. Uh, I, to a degree... Like having a tone and like, oh, it's missing like my thing I do, or this is the thing I do. And it's like, that's ego and there's no room for that. Um, I mean, I think that a lot of ego should really get out of the way and 
you should really just let the music be the music and it's like the artist could have gone to any mastering engineer and no but i'm the reason that it's like no 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 no. um i don't think personally that you should strive to have a tone um but yeah it could set you apart um but i think that you should approach it with humility and not saying that having a tone is not being humble but i think that you're going to naturally have a tone through doing this and if you hop out of the box coming back in whatever it's like you're gonna probably have some type of a tone um by using a certain set of plugins, like you're going to have a tone of some right. kind, absolutely. And so, like that's the path you're going to set forward. And I think it's inevitable that you will have a tone. And then if you're you're known for it, cool. And if you're not, then it's like do you and just like love what you do. Um, so I don't know. So that's kind of our tones. That's our things that we do, and that's kind of the rabbit that we chase, and or the dragon or whatever, whatever you're chasing. So I like it. Um, I like mastering. I think I have good masters. I think Sam has good masters. Um, Everybody's great. And yeah, I mean, I think that's why this is the unhumble part of it is like, I think that's why people come back to us. Right. Is because it's like they like what we do and they do like the tone of their music and they do like how it sounds professional. And um, we like being able to essentially serve that community and that need. And I mean, we love being mastery engineers. So if, uh, you are our clients, are we, we thank you. And if you're our prospective clients, we can't wait to work with you. With that said, we really have to wrap. We're yes. like a handful of minutes over. I got the Traeger grill notification uh-huh. going. My wife loves grilling on Wednesdays. So belly's rumbling. I can smell the mesquite smoke from here. So uh, with that said, if you can hear the beat in the background queuing on up, that was made by the one and only Sam Moses. Please tell him thank you. And... Uh, yeah, if nothing else, just say thanks as an extension of my own gratitude. Um, I'd appreciate it. These episodes sound good because he is really great at putting these episodes together and just loving on him with the music that he makes. So if you can just tell him thank you, I would appreciate it. If you need a mastering engineer, Sam can be found at Moses Mastering. I can be found at For The Record Mastering. And uh, yeah, if you wouldn't mind just sharing this with uh, your friends, your family, your grandmas, your pets, spay and neuter them. R.I.P. Bob Barker. Uh, we would appreciate it. Um, yeah, if you don't mind leaving a comment or, I don't know, just shoot us a DM. We'd love that. We'd love to talk with you and just see what you've been up to and what you've been working on. So, um, without ado, morning, afternoon, evening, whatever you're having, have a darn good one. Cue up the music. Cue it! <laughs>